0: tim joyce oh man haven't spoken to you in in, in, what a year now it's a year
1: it's it's been it's been this is this is it this is the start of the year we're back in action ready ready to go primed rested
0: man i i just looked last time we recorded was two months ago and we promised to all our millions of viewers you know to be there every (laughs) wednesday and then just life got around us right um but yeah. we're persistent. We're strong. And just because we missed something, you know, don't look back. We're here. We're going to we're going to try to stay more consistent. Um, yeah. And Happy New Year. We we actually have not truly spoken aside from WhatsApps.
1: Happy New Year. Shalom or almost Shabbat Shalom, you're saying.
0: <laughs> you <were laughs> That's just right. For the, for the listeners, <laughs> we, we spent almost two weeks with the family in Israel. Uh, so that was that was a lot of fun. Um Stopped by the, uh, in Haifa, uh, we stopped by Medisafe's uh, office, so so Rotem, uh, we had Omri and Rotem made a, you know, small appearance in one awesome. of the, the episodes, um, and Great. I think we're still in season 12, if I'm not mistaken, okay. <laughs> I looked last week, uh, we recorded two episodes, so I think this is season 12, episode 3, or whatever it is, but yep. nonetheless, I am super, super, super excited to kick off the year with none other than grace vinton so she's coming in now and i was super psyched about her energy she's just like a ball of energy so talk about you know needing energy this is the right person to get energy from grace welcome to the shop
2: hello 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 everyone happy new year happy new year i told
0: you jim i told
1: you (laughs) happy new year this is this is the perfect person I always think that the best best way to start any year is with a bit of grace, right? It's a little bit of grace.
2: We all need oh. a little bit of grace, a little <laughs> bit of love, a little bit of joy. <laughs> no pressure at all. Having a name like Grace, that's for sure. <laughs> no, not at all,
0: not at all. Well, you spread it well, Grace, and and actually for the uh, you know the millions of viewers and listeners of our podcast slash YouTube show, we want to get to know Grace. Take us through your story, your history. Your Absolutely.
2: Hat. Oh, yeah, Jim, so yeah,
0: Jim, Grace, Grace, Jim.
2: Yeah, nice <laughs> to meet you finally, Jim. I've been listening for a while now, so I'm glad to finally meet you here. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Where where are you calling in from?
2: So I live just north of Boston, Massachusetts. I live in Winchester, Massachusetts.
1: Okay, cool, cool, cool. And and Eugene, where are you calling from right now?
2: You're
0: oh, back we're back. We're, yeah, we're back. Uh, okay. We're back in Barcelona. And then, okay. you know, look, probably going to get back on the road again and. The next yep. whatever week. Okay.
1: <laughs> from, okay, from snowy Massachusetts. Sorry, I interrupted you, Grace. Nice to meet you.
2: Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yes, it's nice to all be in the same digital health circle. Very exciting time to be in digital health. Uh, I, I kind of grew up in digital health through the communication side of things. So I've okay. worked in healthcare, healthcare technology, pharma, and life sciences PR for 12 years now. Um, and a little over five years ago, I had a health incident that put me in chronic pain for a year and a half to two years. Um, and at the end of it, it turned out I had E. coli poisoning, which is absolutely the most treatable thing, but I was misdiagnosed and my records were all over the place and it was just a mess. And obviously working in healthcare, you kind of have this understanding that you have to be your own. Advocate as a patient. You kind of have to just keep pushing, get the best yep. care, make sure you have the best data, just keep going, keep going until you get your answers. And so I came into the experience understanding I needed to keep fighting. And finally, finding that answer was such an amazing joy, especially when all it was was antibiotics. Like I just. Wow.
1: And what know, was it like and... a, a week's worth of antibiotics <laughs> or something? Yeah, or... it
2: was just like one or two rounds of antibiotics. And I felt great. I mean, I've never heard,
1: I, I've heard of people getting E. coli poisoning, but suffering yes, for a year and a half yes. from like chronic and pain.
2: You never know how, how, when it started, I had had a third child. And so there were a lot of other things kind of moving and grooming. but at the end yep. of the day, that's what got me better. And I, now I kind of see healthcare through this new line, you know, lens working with mm. healthcare technology entrepreneurs and pharma entrepreneurs and folks in these spaces, you know, you see it in one lens. And then when you become a patient, you see it through this new lens. And so, you know, I sit in the middle kind of, of, you know, where innovation is happening in healthcare, healthcare technology, and then also as having this patient experience and how can we infuse what's happening in innovation and the excitement that's happening in innovation with what's happening in the patient, caregiver, healthcare consumer community and what's happening in that community. So that's a little bit about where I sit and who I am
1: and did you go did you st- would you always in marketing did you did you grow up in Massachusetts or
2: <laughs> yes I grew up in New England and Connecticut I was you know always very interested in storytelling and telling good stories and throughout my life I could talk to anybody you know I was <laughs> a five-year-old having <laughs> politics conversations that's <laughs> I've always just really had this passion for great storytelling and and really getting to the of what makes uh nitty and gritty of what makes Makes the best story. And so to me, kind of coming into PR, I kind of fell into PR through the publishing side, I actually worked for a publishing house to start doing their media programs and promoting their, you know, promotional books, and then was recruited to help with Elsevier, who is the largest healthcare publisher, and they also have an innovation, innovation side, and etc, kind of helping them tell their story of, of the different innovations that they were working on. And in the many different spaces, pharmacy, pharma, healthcare, health IT. And so it was exciting to me to be, to go from promoting good stories that were, you know, inspiring to promoting stories that were saving lives and to do Mm. marketing that in a sense- saves lives, because I was telling these stories that if they were never told, people would never know about them. And people could die, you know, ultimately, without knowing these important, this important research that just came out, or this important innovation that just came out. And so that was very exciting to me to be a part of that, that process of telling these great stories
0: grace you said you know one of your passions is like what makes a great story um and we do have a lot of entrepreneurs listening and you know i think for good bad or indifferent or or the ugly part of it right especially in innovation especially in digital health there's a lot of great storytellers without the level of execution and then there's amazing execution without the storytelling so somewhere in between is the perfect mix so maybe take us through a little bit of what you see as a good storytelling and what you have seen in this digital health innovation market uh, when it comes to this?
2: I've learned that the best person that can tell your story is the consumer using your product. So from a tech side, the best person that can tell your story in the media, anywhere, and I can shout it from the rooftops, is your champion. It's your hospital or health system using your product. It's your health coach using your product. It's your, uh, it's your patient using your product. And I think people often think, oh, I'm going to get out in the media and I'm going to be famous and I'm going to talk about what I do. And in fact... The most powerful story is when the person using your product says, this changed the way I do things and this saved a life. And so I think that's something that the industry hasn't, I don't think people have really fully grasped the power of that yet. And I get so excited when my clients get it and because when their clients are shouting from the rooftops, this saved my life. Or yep. this helped me save a life. Or this right. research helped me understand my condition so that I could better manage it. That is that is when you win a, a good healthcare story. And when they get it, they realize that once those stories are told regularly, their story is told regularly because right. people get excited by hearing how it's being, you know, innovating and changing things. 100%
1: hundred percent. And yeah, and it's funny how it, you know, and people spend so much time giving homage to that idea. I I know not, you know, it's, it's make, Mm -hmm. you know, this, oh, putting the patient in the center of the room or putting them in a chair Mm -hmm. in a conference room or whatever, you know, all Mm -hmm. those little like, like, Mm -hmm. like, like things that kind of make me kind of cringe a little bit, you know, and they Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, know,
0: and and the crazy part is I remember still when my days in pharma, um, you know, there was like a big medical director meeting, like, what are we going to do? Right. We need to get invite patients to the table or, and, and my mm-hmm. comment always like we as individuals sometimes we're patients uh you mm-hmm. know we're sometimes caregivers like we don't need to actually pretend putting somebody at the table we're all we have families we have friends right. we have colleagues that mm-hmm. have been in different situations so we you know it's It's also us. Yes, it's important, right? But Mm -hmm. let's let's also not, you know. Yeah.
2: And see, I would actually disagree with that. Like, I, to me, from my side, the patient experience is so incredibly different and powerful than someone who has an intellectual advantage of understanding the industry. So I think that so many times, Mm. When you do include patients, I don't like the idea of having a token patient just to have a patient. To me, right. that is what, what it is, and that's right? What I'm angry. Like I, yeah, I, and I totally agree with you on that. Like I'm like, ah, eh, token patient. Like, and usually it's a person of a certain color and a certain class and a certain um, ability to understand language in a way that they do. Like I'm not for that, you know. But I am for you know having including the patient um, experiences and paying patients for their time when they do offer them freely because they're valuable um, so i definitely i go back and forth between what the best balance is um, but there right. are some great organizations like savvy coop that i, can help I was just going say technology yeah. companies really ask patients and get a good diverse you know group of patients and pay them for their time in, in a way that makes sense
1: And then what makes that then so breaking that down, let's just say you have a phenomenal patient, like what, like, like just listening to your story, it's like, you know, it's, 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 is it simplicity? Is it elegance? Is it just passion? Is it what's what breaks it for the patient telling that story?
2: Well, I think it depends on which scenario you're in. So if you're trying to get patient insight to improve your innovation, that is a whole subset of patients where you can improve either an innovation and the way it's working using kind of their story to articulate how things could be better. And then there's research, obviously, using the patient insight to improve the research process and how and how to make that better. And then there's storytelling in the sense of telling the story in the media. And that is a little bit different because depending on how the patient is telling the story, if it's like kind of a B2B company or a B2C company, that kind of changes. And the simplicity is always important in that instance. And then there is having a patient on a panel, which I've seen so many more patients on panels. And honestly, this is one of the trends that excites me the most about the industry right now, is including that patient voice and putting them on the panels, having them moderate, having them be included on the panels. And in that sense, they're they're given the opportunity to expand more and use their story in a way that can you know explain or articulate trends that are being spoken about on the panel in real life. And right. one of the coolest panels I saw at five just this past fall was um, uh, Erica Olensky Johansson. She, as they were talking about these nursing trends, her sharing her experience of caregiving for her son and saying, in fact, what you guys just said is not what we're experiencing. And we need to have patients on the boards of hospitals. It's not Mm. enough to just have a patient group that you refer to and ask them questions. You need to have them on the boards. You need to have them in leadership positions. Um, Mm. And so it was very powerful to hear her story in conjunction with the innovators and the nurses and the other folks that were also on the panel. Okay. So
1: you're the, you're this amazing marketing guru, PR firms had worked for this book publishing company and your love stories. And then you, you're, uh, you've had your, your three children and then you have this incredible patient experience. So then what happened? What happened then? So that's what was the Mm -hmm. you left us a cliffhanger of the story of of the next part of Grace's. Yes. So
2: what happened? Now I have been given the opportunity to kind of be an influencer in the space. And, And it's been a surprise because people have so connected with my story. And I have connected with so many innovators through the years and so many media and analysts through the years that I have in many ways have supplied a lot of the stories that. have happened in healthcare and healthcare technology and pharma through the years, I've helped explain to the industry what interoperability is. Like I've helped explain to the industry what NLP is, what digital biomarkers are. There are are so many different random trends that I have kind of been able to have the opportunity to explain to folks through the years. And once I went through this health event, I was then able to kind of explain to them what my experience was like and people connected with it. And now I have kind of reached out to me to say, <clears throat> okay, how can we include patient voice better in our stories? How can we better share the patient experience going on? How can we better include the patient insight in our technology? Can you help us do that? So I've kind of been given this wonderful opportunity to, to take this experience and share with the world um, what it looks like to empower the patient and caregiver and healthcare consumer story in healthcare. And it's exciting. It's an exciting time to, to be a part of that.
0: And, and does it does it feel strange to be on the other side of the podcast? I was going to say, because, you know, <laughs> spreading and telling those stories. And I know you, 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 uh, interviewed Marina and many others on, on Hit Like a Girl uh, podcast. Uh, so love that. I'm an avid listener. I know you're you're a guest podcaster. So but tell us more. You know, how does that all connect as far as telling the stories?
2: Yes. So in this process, I've met so many wonderful and powerful women like Marina, um, who just are making an impact in the industry. And I wanted to kind of give them a platform to talk about their innovations and their space in the industry and how they're impacting the industry. So I have been working with Hit Like a Girl as a guest host and have done 40 episodes now um, oh, wow, interviewing wow. incredible women from healthcare, you know, in in hospitals, health systems, HIEs, in, you know, healthcare technology, innovators in tech space and, and health tech, um, innovators in pharma, decentralized clinical trials, uh, precision medicine, uh, real world evidence, and then life sciences who are working directly with uh, research. And then I've also included patient advocates as well as part of this, because they are such a critical, uh, they play such a critical role. And so especially the rare disease community, they have so many amazingly educated patients Mm. who are playing a role in innovation that's happening in this space. They're fighting for their children's lives with innovation. And it's, Fascinating. I just interviewed an informaticist who gave birth to a child with a rare disease and is now taking her informatics background into and combining it with rare disease. And it's just, I can't wait till it comes out. It's such an exciting time, um, for, for folks, but, but really it's been very, uh, fun and interesting and inspiring. And, and to me to hear about what they're doing in innovation to make things better in healthcare for everybody, including folks who, who have a patient background, um, and then also to learn about their journeys, their career journeys and their personal stories and mm. let women in the industry learn from those as well. So I kind of start off talking shop, talking industry, talking innovation, right. and then we end really talking about their personal lives and what it took to to get to them th- to that point and what they do to keep moving and right. keep growing. <laughs> and so I feel like I've been mentored by 40 women, really. Like 100 That's
0: amazing. That's amazing. It, you know,
1: it, it, it what's, what <laughs> blows me away, like we, with my company, we got involved with building out a patient advocacy uh, panel. We, and we, um, you, someone who's been on our podcast, who's a chronic disease sufferer and also became a, a patient advocate, and, um, Lily Stairs, who kind of helped us set this up. But what was amazing was I was just blown away with, with the kind of growth in this community. And their openness, you know, specifically of like a younger younger generation where they find out they have a chronic disease, um, they go through some kind of really pretty horrific kind of life-changing experience as a result of it, kind of fight their way out of it. And then they become these, you know, these powerful advocates like yourself. And But the way they talk about it so openly, and then for us, like we deal with a lot of the patients that have injections or, you know, they're on mm. TikTok taking their medications mm-hmm. publicly and um, they're doing something that probably my generation would find incredibly embarrassing, um, you know, or we would hide or we would, you know, not be willing to kind of expose ourselves and talk about those conditions mm-hmm. as a result of it. But they're, the the capacity to articulate, I mean, they blow away so many executives um, and I've just been, I've just been, it's been mind blowing to watch it. It, fe- it doesn't feel like it's static either. It feels like, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess my question to you would be, what do you think patient advocacy looks like in two or three, three years from now?
2: Oh, absolutely. That's an easy one for me. I think every company is going to have a director of patient advocacy, and I think it's what it's going to include is how do we include the patient insight and experience um into this organization better. So for some folks it will be a patient advocacy panel. That makes sense. For some folks it may be, you know, adding patients to their board. It may for some folks it may include simply creating a program. Um, for including insight in a, in a better and more creative and unique way. And for some, it might be amplifying patient stories. So I think the director of patient advocacy or the chief patient advocacy officer, and many folks would disagree with me on that because they're like, well, it's not all just patients. Yeah. It's patients, caregivers. And so really it's healthcare Mm -mm. consumer. So chief healthcare consumer officer, um, and uh but i think that's the next step honestly in in all of this is is that organizations from small to big are going to start adding that as a position and and start realizing that these stories and this impact will actually help drive their business um and and, and grow their business better than they could have ever thought prior um and I think just with the way that value-based care is going, you really have to understand health equity more than ever. <laughs> you really have yeah, to right. understand these chronic conditions more than ever to get paid. So there's money behind it, you know? Like I think people need to, to really understand how critical it is to get that patient insight to to really move things to the next level.
0: You know, you you also mentioned rare diseases, and I, I don't know how this kind of correlated. Just last week, I was I, I don't know what made me look up, but uh, it was an astounding number. It's like seven thousand different rare diseases that affecting up to thirty million Americans, right? And obviously, mm-hmm. wow. there's just not enough funding. Yeah, like it was an astounding number to me. So it's kind of crazy that we're mm-hmm. talking about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, to your point earlier around you know patient advocates and, and, and it's the caregivers also, right? So some, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's fighting for your life or, um, or just even a comfortable, as comfortable of a living as you can and trying to find solutions that don't exist today. Right. So mm-hmm. and, um, I don't know whatever happened to um, uh, what was it? It, it was kind of like the, uh, the community science movement or, or uh, citizen mm-hmm. science, right? It kind of, mm-hmm. it peaked up and then I'm not sure what happened to, but I think the combination of that is just, it's just phenomenal. It's just, it's amazing what people do.
2: I think the rare community is just taking that model and kind of Exploding and it's all through Facebook. I mean, it's through social media streams. You could never imagine. They're really saying, We're going to learn about the most we can about this. We're going to hire the researchers ourselves. We're going to take the technology to the next level. We're going to try this treatment that worked for this because of these reasons. And it's really taking that whole idea of patients being true collaborators in their own care to the next level. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of saying, you know, we're going to make this work. And, you know, and I think Decentralized clinical trials have been a huge benefit to this community, being able to participate in clinical trials across borders when they could have never done that before. They used to have to go to academic institutions and drive four hours each way and or, you know, longer move to another town that had one but now they can participate in that that's been huge and 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 telehealth uh, care in your pocket has obviously changed the game digital biomarkers and what they're doing um, in 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 neuroscience and and others are changing the game there's so much innovation happening in this space in this rare space Um, Mm. and parents and caregivers uh, and and uh, patients and healthcare consumers are leading the charge.
1: How, how do you negotiate uh, when, you, so you've got, you've got, you know, large corporations that might be incredible you know, funders of patient advocacy and, and want to bring them, bring the, these voices into the, you know, into their products, into the boardroom, into the storytelling. How do you negotiate, but they're, but they're companies that are kind of held to account. So they ha- they have to be quite conservative in a lot of cases, right? Like, so they, and they, and just even historically, and then you have a raw patient advocate that's talking about, you know, a bill not getting paid or, you know, a diagnosis or feeling ignored at the doctor's office or having an insurance, you know, all the complexity, like how do you, what's your style to negotiate those two? Yeah.
2: It's so, systems? that's interesting that you say that because the way you share a patient's story via pharma is very different than via like a early stage health tech company. And you right. do have to understand that, uh, a patient's story is very, Uh, valuable and wonderful, but it's also precious. It's, it's a precious, precious thing. Somebody's life, right? Somebody's life, you know, Uh, it's data point come alive. It's it's interoperability in human person. It's You know, and so I think, you know, it is very tricky, but I think that's why it's very important that when you do share patient stories, no matter what medium you choose to share it with, you know, somebody who understands the laws (laughs) around it. I mean, and, and, and some of the intricacies of what it is to share the patient story and that it is a very sensitive thing and you can get in a ton of trouble. (laughs) So you have to be very cautious just depending on what space you're in to understand what the variables are to sharing the story. And then that's why I think the chief, you know, healthcare consumer advocate that you might have on staff, it should be somebody who is tasked capable. with being well-versed in what those laws are in that space.
0: Right. <laughs> well, um, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening, right? Um, and uh, when in kind of the early stage of the company, as a company grows and matures, right? Um, and for good, bad, or indifferent, a lot of times PR—the two, two 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 letters—sometimes uh, get a bad rap, right? Some oh, journalists so out there,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, you know, some journalists out there saying, you know, never hire PR. You need to be the story. You need to be telling the story. Um, at the same time, you know, everybody needs help, right? So I'm I'm curious. Any pointers, tips, tricks for the entrepreneurs? How do we entrepreneurs at different stages think about Mm -hmm. public relations and that interface to journalists? Um, You know, I probably can keep asking similar Mm -hmm. questions in 27 (laughs) different ways, but I think you get the point.
2: Yes, I think that before you have clinical validation to support your technology, that's a good spot for you to share your story with with reporters one on one, you can share things on Twitter, whatever you'd Mm -hmm. like, you know, but once you have clinical validation, you have stories to back up your claims, you have, you know, customers willing to share and you're you're really well ready to build out a PR program, you're making impacts in policy, that's when you need to go to somebody who has an idea of what's happening in the industry and can help share those stories with the world. So I think that, you know, there are sometimes with early stage companies, they'll reach out to PR and, and that's a great time for them to build out your website, for them to help build out your social media following or whatever the like, to help build out your content, to help, you you know really develop that clinical validation as it comes in into white papers and case studies and things that people can then take a look at and say oh wow you you're established um but then once you do have it i think that's when you kind of hire a pr who is well-connected, who understands the industry, who reads the policies that are coming out, doesn't just look at the one-pagers, they read the policies, they understand the background of why those policies matter and make sense and how you fit in and have them come and be part of your arm. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's to be part of your team. And I think that is, uh, it, that's a good strategy for Mm. folks that are thinking about PR. I mean, and I think it's another thing is when you think about PR, sometimes you think, oh, these folks are just there to get me on Forbes. These folks are just here to get me on New York Times. It's like, well, you need to think about them as strategic storytelling partners, you know, and you need to, pick somebody you respect <laughs> mm, <laughs> who can help right. you develop right. your story, who can tell you, no, that's a bad idea. Yes, that's a good <laughs> idea. What about this policy? What about this payment model change? What about what Medicare said? That's that's really the trick. To You have to find someone you can really trust who can call you out and say, look, this story is good. This story is bad. This story is always what's happening. Do you want to have a say yes or no? And here's- right. Ten right. reasons why yes, and twelve reasons why no. <laughs> you know, and so. Who, yeah. And at the end do? of the day,
0: people work with people, right? And that's yeah. that's exactly. the most important part. At the end of the day, so.
2: Yes, and I think we- that's another thing is, at for for PRs, my recommendation always is, you know, don't pitch bad stories. Get right. good data. Get the customer stories. Like pitch good stories <laughs> <That's> <laughs> on the PR like, side. It's very easy sense. to do well.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Just, like like shit stories. Yeah, shit stories. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: people want to hear a good story.
1: I do, right? They're
2: there and every company has one and, and <laughs> can speak to it in a different way than it's, than it's being said.
1: Nah. And who, when you look at that, so when we think about, so we start, so like you, we, you know, we started this podcast, but we always say we did it for our own mental health. You know, this is largely a therapy group that you're, you just became part of here. I feel is, like um, I'm in therapy
2: but... in a good way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it is, um, no, we wanted to be a positive therapy session. Yes. So, um, right. but, but when you think about, so within digital healthcare and, you know, like yourself, Eugene and I are always kind of, and Eugene's the ultimate connector in the digital health space, but like who's right now, getting good PR in digital health and who's getting kind of shit PR in digital health. You don't have to be negative about it, mm-hmm. but who's 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 PR, who's out in front of their PR and who's kind of lagging behind it right now?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to do some PR on you and say, I, I want to say that the data companies that are using telling their client stories are doing good PR. The okay. data companies that are using their data to do research, even though it has nothing to do with them, because they want it to benefit the research community that's doing good PR the mental health companies that are you know putting out the surveys of their customers that are you know showing shining new light on new trends in mental health they're doing it right those that are just coming and saying we have all this money this is why we're great in showboating they're not doing it right um the folks that are in you know life sciences the that when they're doing research and they're, you know, really clear on the differentiation that makes that research great, they're doing it right. The folks that just throw the research out there don't mention the differentiation. They just, you have to figure it out yourself. They're not doing it right. Right. (laughs) In pharma, you know, it's like, if you're not including associations in your PR, you're doing it wrong. Okay. You need to have partnerships with associations that are out there you're doing it right. So the, I I would say that across the board, you know, and you have to it's all about data. Good data, good you clinical know, validation, patient stories and good, you know, just general good storytelling.
0: You know, the saying, awesome. you know, uh, data speaks for itself. And my comment always actually doesn't, right? It's still human beings that are telling the stories around exactly, the data.
2: Exactly,
0: On the other side, which I think many have run into many challenges around it, you know, it's the other saying that I saw on Twitter many years ago, and I repeat it all the time. If you torture data long enough, it'll confess to anything, right? <laughs>
2: yes, uh, right. And exactly. Or
0: those mm-hmm. stories, even though based on data... It's been mm. tortured to tell a good story versus what some of the realities are. Exactly. So again, I think it's just mm-hmm. it's just an interesting conundrum that you know even though we have more data as a society, mm. more data in healthcare, it's still the humans that tell the story. Exactly, um,
2: and you ha- and explaining how you got there and really understanding all the variables of of the data and the quality of the data and the equity of the data and the you know it's, it's there's so many different variables at play um but they all have yeah. to be part of telling that story
1: what's, what's the other one like the, the how the drunk uses the lamppost is that the other one
2: yeah you know sure you know, well, that, you know
1: that you, you,
0: you know that one you're 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 irish man <laughs> i know <laughs> but, i'm
2: but... too italian for this <laughs> yeah you know you know the
1: the what people use data like the way a drunk uses a lamppost you know mm-hmm. more for Leaning more for, on it mm-hmm.
2: yeah Leaning more for support
1: More for support than illumination, right? Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I guess when I say data, I more mean for research or clinical validation. But I do agree with you. We were just trying to come up with...
1: (laughs) Clever I do memes. Agree with yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a mental health
0: intervention for for Jim and sometimes I, so
1: we're just trying. To yes. Doesn't always. Sometimes the storytelling doesn't always catch up to the data. Oh, I, I get that.
2: <laughs> I totally have seen that time and time again. Um, but I would definitely say, you know, the folks that are out there regularly taking a look at some of their recent press releases and just saying, what stories are they telling? I would right. say, you know, if you're seeing a company over and over and over, some AI algorithm somewhere thinks you should be looking at them. Why not just Google PR Newswire and look up all their recent press releases and say, "What are these stories they're telling that is getting so much attention?" You know, and and right. usually it's someone pretty creative behind the scenes saying, "This right. policy is not okay" or "This policy works," and let's just talk about it.
1: No, I love how you broke that down, though. You had four <laughs> those four kind of elements that you mm-hmm. just broke down to my. Brain won't recall them all immediately. Yeah. I'm gonna go back and listen to them. But the um... yeah,
0: I was gonna say we'll need to uh, transcribe, rewind, and document <laughs> yeah, that was really stuff. clear you know, the way you Data brought points. it in. And, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> Sha-
0: shameless plug on research and just being able to tell the story. We just published finally, finally. It's been like you know, kind of uh, almost nine months it took us to to put it all together. Our health coaching industry report. Um, oh, excellent! Jan- January first, it's finally out. So we're so it's pretty, out right now. Pretty, pretty, yeah, it pretty, pretty, pretty happy about it. lots of feedback already coming in. Um, So okay. a little shameless plug to go download it.
2: That is so awesome. fantastic. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's really pulling together key insights from the industry, and kind of pointing to you as somebody who knows what's going on, you know, and people really respect right. folks that know what's going on.
0: But but you know, that's, that's actually an interesting point, right? Um, While of course, we use their own data as well from the your coach platform. Um, we also parse through 100 plus studies, we've spoken to 50 plus experts in the industry because again, you know, any industry is evolving and different opinions and insights are needed to be able to pull together what does that industry look like? Where is it going? What are the trends? What are we seeing out there? So anyway, super mm-hmm. proud of the team. There's a lot of hard work in between of, you know, actual operations and and, and running the company. So Anyway, awesome. um, Mr. Jim Joyce, do you want to go to your famous question?
1: Yeah, get a, a dust off the cobwebs here. This is the question. Yeah, I know. We, <laughs> we we took a little hiatus. We took a little we took a little break. But so okay, so just you know, it, so picture yourself in a snowy day in northern Massachusetts, and you've just come out of an amazing patient advocacy uh, conference and you're kind of slushing through the snow, and you're walking in, and someone recognizes you from across the way, and they say, Grace, Grace, like, I, you know, I've been following you, and I've been following you on Twitter, and I listened to your Hit Like a Girl podcast, and um, I just found out that I had been suffering from years from a disease that was easily treatable, and, and I, I've i been treated, and I'm recovering, and now I'm starting my own uh, healthcare company that's going to leverage patient advocacy uh, right from the beginning. We're going to have a chief patient officer, right, sitting as my co-founder as I start this company. And you look at that young entrepreneur that reminds you of yourself and you say, and what's the one piece of advice would you give to that person?
2: You know, I would tell them to really take a step back and articulate, take a step back to write their story from the start to finish and really understand their why they need to really get to the, to the root of what their why is. And if, and, and, and so I would really say, yeah, just, I would say, take a step back and write your story and articulate your story and keep going back to that story while your company morphs. And, and that kind of story changes as you change and morph.
0: Love it. Love it. We still got it, Jim. Grace, (laughs) it was awesome, awesome, awesome to bring in the new year with you as the first guest of the year. And um, for all the millions of listeners and viewers, hit like, subscribe, pass it on and see you next week.
2: It was an honor to be here. Great to see you guys.
1: Great to see you.